The following is a For Vengeance Media production. is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Welcome to episode number nine of Game Changers, home of hockey here on Silent Ice TV. My name is Dean Millard, and it is uh, my pleasure uh, to be your host for this show. And unfortunately, like a lot of hockey shows, uh, we are starting off with the tragic loss of life uh, over the weekend. Adam Johnson, who was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, died when a skate blade cut his neck in Sheffield, England. He was only 29 years old and a former Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Penguins honored him before their game recently against the Anaheim Ducks, and they are mandating stronger neck protection for their AHL and ECHL team and recommending much stronger Next, neck protection, pardon me, uh, to their NHL players. And this is something we will talk about today uh, with uh, one of our guests in particular, Ray Ferraro, who is an analyst with ESPN, ABC, Sportsnet, and of course played 1,200 games in the NHL. And I will uh, ask about his 108-goal season with the Brandon Wheat Kings. And Brandon Ewan Cheshen is the president of Four Vengeance Media and the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, the the changing game when it comes to coverage of youth hockey. No longer is professional coverage only for professional teams. Uh, so uh, really looking forward to uh, these conversations uh, with these uh, two gentlemen today. And we will start it off chatting with Brandon Ewan Cheshin about the coverage in youth hockey, particularly by our company, For Vengeance Media. But it is wild these days, and the athletes are just as good as the pros when it comes to those great highlights. The president of For Vengeance Media, Brandon Ewan Cheshin joins us here on Game Changers.
Brandon, it's like I just saw you, and that's because we were at the rink so much this past weekend, and I don't think either of us would have it any other way. The The opportunity that we have here with For Vengeance Media uh, to bring the action to so many families literally across the world and, and some future stars, man, is it ever fun. Joining the, the uh, freelance broadcast last year um, was one thing, but being a part of this with For Vengeance and the the work that we're doing it's been just a terrific time and and the weekend was no different yeah lots of fun it's an honor and it's a privilege it's also an honor and a privilege to get you to come and uh, work for us and to get you on the staff it was a big win the off season for four vengeance as you come in as the uh, production manager and you've been a big part of everything that we've done so far especially with the junior prospects hockey league and pioneering all the coverage um, I think last year, maybe at the Meadows, you really saw what we could do if we put all our resources together. And I hope that was a little bit of a catalyst for you uh, to come and join our program. But yeah, now that we're all on the same team, or we always were on the same team, but now officially all four Vengeance Media employees, it's an honor. It's a privilege. It's lots of fun. Every single weekend, they go to the ring, cover these kids. And to be honest, sometimes I enjoy it more than the junior A role I have or the major junior stuff that I get to do. Um, these kids are so enthusiastic. They want to get to the next level. We're training them just like we're training ourselves. We get to train young broadcasters. We get to talk to referees in the middle of a broadcast, something you'll never get to do in any other league. We get to put camera guys on the ice. Uh, the list goes on and on. At the end of the day, it's so much pride for me to be able to be at the helm of this and see what we're doing each and every weekend. I think the JPHL commissioner, Richard Nault, said it very well uh, last week. And he said, we're finally on cruise control now. We've gotten to a point where we have a good staff of people. We have a good stable of people. All the technology is working properly. And we're now able to nitpick, critique our shows, start telling the important stories within the game and piggybacking off all those things throughout the JPHL. So I'm very proud of where it is, where it's come but uh, also very excited to where it's going to go here in the new future, especially with our brand new fancy building there at Silent Ice Center and all the bells and whistles that we get to install over the next month or so to make it a really cool spot, not only to watch a game, take in a game and experience the in-game, but also to watch online with multiple cameras, a panel, replays, graphics, uh, etc., analysts, play-by-play guys, hosts, interviews. It's uh, so much fun. I can't stop talking about it. But uh, I'm very thrilled to where we are right now, and I'm very pumped to see where we're going to be here in a month and even in a year or two. And, and I'm so jealous of, uh, you know, the kids today that, as we're seeing Liam Pugh dance in and score one of his uh, many goals. I mean, I've told this story a lot. When I was, you know, a kid growing up, I got the uh, parents with the camera that would come out and shoot the game if we were lucky. I mean, for these guys and these youngsters to have this sort of archive for them is just incredible to be able to go back and look at it. You know, their TikToks are stocked with, with video. Um, and, and also, you know, the scouts and the coaches, I mean, we're seeing iPads on the benches as these guys go back and look at it. Like this is entertainment, but it's also practical for scouts, coaches, players, etc., cetera, uh, in game and out game. Yeah, is it ever? Uh, just like you, I barely had any video of me playing, and I didn't play that long ago. Not to make it feel old, but it wasn't that <laughs> long ago when I was in minor hockey, and I don't have much video at all. I got some photos, but nothing crazy. These kids have it all. Like you said, it benefits 
parents, scouts, athletes, coaches, partners, everybody from top to bottom. It provides a lot of good coverage for the league and for these players. I was just even talking to Steven Gertson earlier today, our Silent Ice president. And he said, how good is the highlight going to be of Liam Pugh when he gets drafted next year in the Western Hockey League draft? All the clips that we have of Pugh from last year, this year, next year, uh, Max Melly with a fantastic look of him, one of our camera operators a couple weekends ago at Silent Ice Center, end-to-end, top shelf, short side, right beside the goaltender's ear. And my goodness, just one example of many. Here's another look at him, just tangling through everybody and putting a puck in the net. Uh, That's one example of many. And it's just so fulfilling and rewarding that we get to bring this production to the JPHL, bring it to the league, and really showcase what we can do. Um, And it's not just the JPHL either. We do a lot of work with the Spruce Grove Saints. We manage their production from top to bottom. A lot of their PR, communication, social media. How we do things for the Challenge Cup and the Hockey Super League and the HPL out in BC. Uh, we've done stuff now for the Morinville Jets in the Capital Junior Hockey League. We're also consulting with Seattle uh, with a lot of their video projects and production. So it's come a long way from a guy in an Eagle sound booth about <laughs> six years ago doing PA and music to where it is now. Yeah, it is quite impressive. Even just going back from last year and the the you know the gear that that we purchased this summer, and you know that's what really when you know when I joined, I knew I was joining something. And then that first week, I was like, yeah, this is special. We mean business. I really like the approach we're taking. Let's nail what we have right now, and then open up to a lot of different things. And what we have right now is busy. You mentioned the JPHL, the Challenge Cups. We'll have Pacific Duels. We'll have a NORAM Cup, which is an international flavor. So the minds behind uh, at Silent Ice keep coming up with all these great events for us to cover, and, and it's and it's so much fun. And you mentioned uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, you're going to be on your way to Seattle as well because they have a massive night uh, coming up, and we were thankful to have Patrick Marlowe on this very show uh but to be able to uh, expand and and help out down in seattle uh, on such a big night uh, also kind of falls in underneath what we're doing here at for vengeance and you know whl champions uh, they they need how to have top level production so you guys are heading out there uh, to check in on that what do you think that will be like It'll be interesting. It'll be new for sure. I've been lucky enough to work on some good shows with Sportsnet, uh, higher up at the international level, the NHL and TNT a couple times. But to go into a building where they have brand new technology and they have had serious upgrades now there through the past couple off seasons, I think it's all done now, but a brand new video board last year and tons of toys to work with up top in the production suite. Uh, Caden Kronowit, one of our other producers, is coming down there with me for the weekend. And yeah, Thursday night we'll get there, we'll dig in, we'll hopefully learn the gear as well as we can in the short amount of time we have to do so. And then Friday night, it's showtime. And Patty Marlowe's number is going to the rafters. Here he is now. And beyond the regular game, a lot more extra special things going on that night that, as you know, from a production side, we need to be on the top of our game to execute properly, both in-house and on the outside broadcast. And it's actually a great opportunity for Four Vengeance where Seattle, they have all the toys. Sometimes I think they struggle to use those toys to their advantage. Um, They're in a tough market there with the Kraken. You got the Seahawks. You got the baseball club. You got the football club. There's a lacrosse team there. There's a 
uh, WNBA team there. So they're always competing for crew to come and work for them. I think they've had a lot of rotation over the years as to who's producing, who's doing replays, who's doing graphics. They found some consistency this year, which is great. Uh, keeps the product better. Uh, for the overall show day in and day out. And we're just lucky to go down there and get to coach them up a little bit, get to throw our hand into the production, hopefully make it a little bit more like a Canadian, and I'm going to say air quote Canadian style of Hockey Night in Canada TV coverage and hopefully make the overall product a little bit better. But to be going down there uh, on Patrick Marlowe light should be uh, a lot of fun. Building should be full. I'm sure there'll be some tears I actually just emailed the final version of his video, which will be played in house um, before the Jersey goes up to everybody down in Seattle to get the final approval. And even I was tearing up a little bit and I don't even know the guy. So I can't imagine with him or his teammates or what the fans that have watched him over the years from Seattle into the NHL are going to be feeling like on Friday night. But uh, it's an honor. It'll be a privilege to go down there and, and work for a Western league team for a night. And we're looking forward to it. Incredible. Uh, so many great memories for Seattle, uh, Kent, Washington, Seattle fans. Uh, you know, I was telling you the other day, there was comparisons from Patrick Marlowe to Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, back in 1997. And just the atmosphere around that Seattle team right now, it, you know, you mentioned there's a ton of stuff going on in that area and they're trying to wave their hand to say, hey, we're, we're still here. We're the WHL champs. We just had a great road trip through Alberta. I mean, it's a really great time to be in that Seattle market and the T-Birds, you know, they should be grabbing their share of the headlines for the success that they've had in the last little while. And the atmosphere in there is so much different than in Canadian rinks. I love checking out American hockey rinks just because of the fan aspect. And if you can bring some of that Canadian kind of broadcast knowledge to it, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, is it ever? I'll go back to the 2018 Doyle Cup, which used to be the AJHL winner versus the BCHL winner. And that year it was the Spruce Grove Saints going up against the Wenatchee Wild, who are now a member of the Western Hockey League. We got down there and we took a look at the rank and we're like, Okay, okay. We're in the uh, we're in the big boy leagues now. Uh, Five thousand, I believe, seat bowl they have there in Wenatchee, which is right between Seattle and Spokane. For those of you that don't know, right on the highway between the two big cities, and it is crazy. Yeah, they might not understand the game to the level of Canadians, and that's not a knock on them at all because they are unbelievable sports fans. They're banging on the glass. They're trying to get under our coach's skin on the bench. They're cheering at everything. It's unbelievable. And like you said, it's not quite a college football game, which I think is the pinnacle of American sports at that level if you're looking for excitement and a lot of pandemonium, so to speak, in the crowd. But hockey down there is treated not so differently with the excitement and everything that goes with it. In Seattle now, which is just an hour up the road, it's even crazier. Uh, they have fans. You walk into that building, Dean, when the other team is coming on the ice – and they're sitting there with their song that they've used for years and years and years. Everybody's got their noisemaker. They're hitting their thighs. They're hitting their uh, wrists. They're all making the same noise, the same beat. They're all chanting the same thing. It's intimidating. It's like when you walk into Spruce Grove and you see all the championship banners on the other side from the visiting bench. Uh, when you come into Seattle, it's a daunting task. And I was there last year for the uh, Western Conference Final, I believe, between Kamloops and Seattle. And boy, oh boy. It was crazy in there, and that wasn't even the final series against Winnipeg. That was just a couple of the games in the Western Conference Final, which they went on to obviously win both, mm -hmm. but it was eye-opening. 
it's it's crazy to see how much more elevated the excitement, the competition, and the edge of your seatness, so to speak, fans have down in America. So I'm looking forward to it quite a bit here on Friday to get to be get to be the man behind the buttons, triggering those effects in house to make everybody come to the edge of their seat, get excited, and get all fired up for the team coming on the ice or whatever it might be, goal, power, play, hit, etc. You know, and and I don't think it's um, like a sort of uh, I don't know. Uh, slight or anything to say that about Americans. They would say the same thing about Canadians when it comes to football, uh, probably baseball, even though a Canadian invented basketball, the same thing. We, we, you know, I, I think Canadians are more knowledgeable about hockey. It doesn't mean every American doesn't know anything about hockey, but, and I would also say they're probably more knowledgeable about uh, those other three sports uh, as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're what you kind of grow up on uh, in, in that regard is, is what you, you know you you attune to we grew up in hockey here uh so there's a a reason why uh we are involved in hockey and you know you mentioned going back to the jphl and our coverage uh in the in the next couple of weeks or you know months we are going to be able to really unveil a lot of things like we did last year at meadows which was so much fun and you know for the level of coverage and the the extent of our coverage uh, moving forward in some certain events at this level is unprecedented uh, for youth hockey yeah it doesn't happen uh plain and simple just to go back to your american point one more time uh one of the best guys I've ever got to be in contact with, Paul Hemming. He's a director down in the States now. He's a Canadian guy. I believe from he's around either the Edmonton area or the Toronto area, but CFL on TSN for years, World Juniors on TSN for years. He also directed the 2010 uh, Olympic gold medal game in Vancouver. Um, now he's the lead director for the NHL on TNT. So if that doesn't tell you that a Canadian maybe knows a little bit more, I don't know what does to take a guy out of this country, out of a market where Hockey Night in Canada is the pinnacle, uh, the World Juniors are the pinnacle, uh, to put him in that chair down there just even shows at Turner Sports that they're uh, looking at Canadians to fill those roles, which is so cool. And I totally agree. Yeah, I don't know anything about football, basketball, or baseball. I'm a hockey guy, <laughs> and I think a lot of people will will agree with that. Uh, moving on to the JPHL and and the coverage that we have planned there uh, last year was a lot of fun. And uh, there, there was a clip of it. Uh, we got to hear a beautiful Dean Millard's voice. I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't need any more of that. I'm bringing, I'm taking the audio <laughs> out of that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Here it is with no audio, but uh, nonetheless, there you see it. Drone shots guys on the ice. Um, I believe it was actually one of your wife's uh, old bosses and Don Metz that said, let's yep. put a camera guy on the ice. Why not? A longtime director of Aquila Productions at Rexall Place, the guy that couldn't have enough pyro on the ice despite it was inside arenas <laughs> with ice and you want to put fire. Um, nonetheless, awesome dude. Uh, pioneered a lot of things in the industry. But yeah, for this year, so cool for us to bring uh, some of the top people we have in our crew and our stable to come out and work. You see that shot right there. It's great camera work. And yes, before we even get to the production, the athletes are top-notch, um, highest in their class, but on a production side, they get tight follow guys, get wide follow guys, get the ability to do talk back, intermission guests, put a guy on the ice wirelessly to get looks like that from the penalty box. Uh, it's graphics, replays. Um, you always talk about that great play 
that the Titans hockey union had where they pulled the puck off their goal line. Well, we wouldn't have been able to do that without replays and alternate angles and all those things. Even all these hits we're seeing right now, um, all those things come off of uh, people that are not just sitting there like this operating a camera. It goes through a director, a producer, a replay system, um, gets fed via earpieces to our announcers so that they know what's coming, what to talk Here's about. There's the play, the play you're talking to. about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, this is incredible. Ridiculous. My favorite moment. Like, and Creer yeah. What a look there. Just unbelievable. So see that right now is maybe here. We're going to take things up to here for the winter championships in Edmonton come December. Uh, the 17th is championship Sunday. We'll have all four games in all four divisions broadcasted to the highest of level that we can possibly do here at four vengeance. We'll take those talents as well this year to the challenge cups on those Sundays, Pacific duel, I believe the Noram cup. And of course the JPHL championships later on in March. Um, I'm trying to count in my head real quick. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, probably a seven or eight camera shoot. Yeah. Um, most likely three announcers. Uh, I'm going to say one, two, three, four or five operators, uh, producers, directors, graphics personnel, replays, probably some type of stage manager. Um, so it'll be a big show. Uh, it'll be lots of fun to work on, get going. It'll be uh, obviously a, a bit of an uphill climb to get there and get everything to where we want to in that building. But once we get there, once we get it set up and we get to execute with all the toys we have, it's going to be awesome for years to come. I don't know any U14, U15, U17, U18 league that'll be playing in a building with that big of a setup. Uh, we saw Daxton Endicott's penalty shot goal, and then right away our White Rabbit Cannon Murdoch was there to get the reaction. And, oh, yeah, there's going to be a big video board uh, that's going to show it all in Hatch Arena. I mean, literally no uh, youth league gets treated better than the JPHL, and, and that includes uh, the treatment we get as for Vengeance and being partners. It's so much fun to be a part of, uh, and I just can't, I can't wait for it already. And, you know, uh, I always say, you know, I'll sleep in the summer because hockey season is too busy. And, and it's, it's kind of the way it is, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Being busy at the rink is better than being busy in an office. A hundred percent. And I always say, you know what? I like to spend the good weather outside the lake when hockey's not on. When it's minus 40, get me in that booth and, and keep me in the rink because that's where it's more comfortable. But furthermore, to your point, nothing excites us more than getting behind the screens and being able to produce a show that tells a story. And so to us, it doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter who has this or that. It's all about telling the story of a brother who lost somebody who's going into a game who scores a big goal mm -hmm. or a coach who went through something or in this year's case, a Okanagan and Kelowna team who their season was basically put on hold because of wildfires. And we've got to tell the story about them coming together, showing their culture, having a bond that ultimately got them through the tragedy and has made them a better hockey team. And that's the coolest thing about this business is once you get the production in, once you get the gear together, once you get the right people in place, you then get to focus on the story. And the story is what makes a TV. It's what makes businesses like ours successful and maybe can rise above the rest. But that's what excites me is when the tech works, you got the right people in place, and you can tell the stories of the individual kids, the teams, the league, how they got there, how they're doing it, and what they're going to do in the future. 
Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, it's been so much fun, and uh, we're just like you said, uh, we're we're here, and we're gonna. I don't even know where we're gonna get to. The sky's gonna be <laughs> the limit. But have so much fun in Seattle. Uh, we'll be watching from afar. And uh, Saints are on the road. JPHL is off, uh, so we'll get to breathe a little bit here, and then we'll get right back at it for the November long weekend. Thanks a lot, Brandon, and uh, safe travels in Seattle. Thank you very much, Gene, and wonderful work so far with Game Changers. I'm probably the most dedicated listener. As soon as I can, I listen to it in the morning. Uh, my second time on here. I can't wait till we can do this at the studio yeah. over at Silent Ice Center. It's coming soon, and then we could be beside each other in the same room. But wonderful job with this, my friend. Uh, it's been fantastic so far, and it's just going to get better. You're going to love the Ferraro interview uh, because we talked a lot about the things that you and I talk about as broadcasters and how he relates to it. So I think that'll be one that you'll really enjoy. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Dean. So while Brandon is away in Seattle, Dave Dawson will be the voice of the Saints for three games as they take a trip down through Drumheller, Okotoks, and Calgary to take on the Canucks, Oilers, and drum heller and out in seattle uh, the thunderbirds it's patrick marlow night on the third and honoring him and retiring his jersey and that's where brandon will be for that one you can get more information at chl.ca slash whl thunderbirds and of course bruce grove saints.ca All right, coming up next, it is Ray Ferraro on Connor Bedard and so much more. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey on Silent Ice TV. Ray, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the show. Um, Obviously, the unfortunate tragic death of Adam Johnson is on everybody's mind uh, after this past weekend and you know the the outpouring of support to his family and former teammates is uh is been evident and and I guess the question a lot of people are asking is will more and better neck protection become mandatory in a lot of pro leagues do you think you know I saw uh I saw Craig Button talking about this um couple of days ago and I and I think he really got it right and that is that you know 20 years ago we were talking about visors um, in a way that I think there was a real strong pushback uh, from a lot of guys that didn't wear them um, didn't want to wear them even though there was you know obvious um, safety enhancements that were available players just didn't didn't want to wear them. And now I had worn one since I was 19 when I was in junior and I just never took it off. I felt more comfortable with it. What happened this past weekend with Adam uh, Johnson is, is tragic. It's just, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see and to understand at 29 years old, he was just really getting started. And um, I, I do think there are better options, more options available that you kind of put out of your mind when, as you're in the game. It's, you know, it's one thing for me to say at my age, oh, I think everybody should wear one. But when you're in the haze of the game, you never really think about it. And I, I do think we'll, we'll see more players start to experiment, start to try it. Um, Maybe once one company's product won't be 
what they like. Maybe somebody else's will be, but I, I do find it like sometimes I think you, you just, you need a push from like the players association here um, to say like, let's really explore this, how we can get everybody in this product. Some guys aren't going to want to do it even now. And I, I don't really have a reason why, but it's just like some guys wear really short cuffs on their gloves. Right. You know, they, they say, Oh, I can handle the puck better. I mean, Wayne Gretzky wore shoe boxes on his arms for 20 years and he had, you know, 900 goals or whatever he had. So I, the comfort thing, the verse protection, I, I don't know. I gradually think we're sliding into a, a mindset with the player that if the protection is there, they're going to wear it. And, and I hope they do. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's, it's rare, but it, uh, if it happens once, it's uh, too often, unfortunately. Um, but see, well, it's happened a few times though. It has, like, yeah. Clint Malarchuk you know, comes you know, to mind, um, obviously. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago, but Evander Kane last year, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, not, not in his throat, but you know, just in a freak accident, he fell down and, a skate clipped them just, you know, like when, when we played skates likely weren't as sharp. We certainly didn't go as fast. Um, and so maybe that was the reason, like, I, I only remember five or seven years ago, maybe that this became more of a, a, an issue to talk about that players were getting hit with skates. And I, I did a game last week in Chicago and uh, Jacob Locko was the Bruins forward. And he got a skate right next to his eye. I mean, like, it's millimeters away from a terrible outcome. And so I, I just, I, I think, I think there's, a, there's enough awareness that, that the PA really can be a, a guide here to, to help more players get into it. Yeah, and that push kind of uh, that you mentioned is is unfortunately um, needs needs to happen for for everybody's safety. You mentioned Chicago; um, that's obviously a big topic of conversation. You were there for Connor Bernard's very first game. Uh, he scored again uh, recently in great fashion. Just your thoughts on Bernard getting to see him in that first game, and and what you've seen from him in we're almost ten games in now. Well, <clears throat> I think the expectations for Connor were were so high, it was going to be impossible to meet them. Uh, you know, people talking about him in the, you know, amongst the greats of the game. And, man, you got to let the poor kid get his feet wet. He hasn't, you know, at the time he hadn't even played a game yet. And, um, you know, he's, he scores uh, in Boston in his second game. He scores in his home opener. He gets another one last night. Um like the kid's going to be able to score. Like there is no doubt in my mind that he is going to be a top flight goal scorer. As far as the way he's going to be able to play, I'm not really sure yet. Um, in the game against Boston that I did last week, three times he's carrying the puck through the middle of the ice and he got caught from behind. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, a lack of familiarity and the way guys backtrack in this league or if it's just a muscle memory about the way he was able to play in junior uh, versus what he's going to be able to do here. Um, I, I just don't have a, 
I don't have a great feel about what his game is going to look like when it's more NHL formed. Uh, I, I have, as I said, I have no doubt he's going to be a top end goal scorer. I just don't know if he's going to have at his size and the way that he skates, if he's going to have the impact that some other players do. Um, don't forget here, he's not getting compared to pretty good players. Yeah. It, it, you know, the comparisons are among the very best in the game. Could he be Sidney Crosby? Uh, what's he like compared to Connor McDavid? Like, are you kidding me? Like, let the guy get 15 games in first. This will be too old for most of the people watching and listening. He reminds me a little bit of Marcel Dion. Oh. Kind of same skating, yeah. same size big point producer like hall of famer yeah but when i make that comparison most people go oh yeah like like marcel <laughs> was some schlub you know <laughs> playing men's hockey you know he's a hall of famer and 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 that's kind of the thing is there's generational players and which is bernard is being put in that category and they're above hall of famers like there are hall of famers well there's only a handful of generational players and that's what he's he's getting compared to in that regard and it's funny when people are like well he's better than marcel dion well marcel dion for people that don't know was as you mentioned a terrific goal scorer on an la kings team that didn't get a lot of ink it wasn't very good and you know the 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 list goes on so and and honestly until we'll never we won't have a full picture of what connor is going to look like until he's a couple years in the league Till the team around him gets better. Uh, you know, he's got better players and more like-minded players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Blackhawks are, uh, I made this comparison on the, on the opening broadcast. Um, sometimes things come into my head. I don't know where the hell they come from. But anyway, um, they're talking about, we were talking about their rebuild. And I said, they're not even really rebuilding yet. They've just bought the lot and they're clearing the trees right now like they're not even at the rebuild they're just prepping the lot yeah. and that's really where the blackhawks are right now yeah they got one of the best lots out there uh in in bedard uh as a foundation but certainly uh work needs to be done how about the golden knights you know they're still celebrating as they went through that manitoba tour with the, i call it the manitoba mafia on the uh the golden knights and you know they're rolling with this point mm-hmm. streak how have they been able to just keep this going is it system or is it just terrific players what do you see with the golden knights uh i think it's both um you know 19 players back from their stanley cup championship team last year um so there's really no adjustment for anybody right they just come back and play the same way when when you look at their year last year jack eichel was their top score he had 66 points jack eichel will get more than 66 points this year i think there's a chance there'll be a better regular season team this year than last it would be hard for me to believe they would go through as many goalies as they went through last year right um their system protects their goalies quite well but Man, they were, they were using, they used five and six goalies last year. We asked Bruce Cassidy at, near the end of the year about, you know, in this particular game, I said, oh, it looks like Jonathan Quick is your goalie tonight. And he said, my goalies are whichever two guys are sitting in the room right now. Like they, they were just looking for two guys that were quasi healthy mm-hmm. to play. Like they really had to battle it. 
And then you, you look at their team and uh, I did their Western conference final against Dallas. They were up three games to nothing. They ended up winning in six, but I'm standing between the benches. They go out and I'm like, Oh my God, this is a football team. Like these guys are enormous. They've got one small guy, Jonathan Marcheseau, and he won the Con Smythe. Like there's, they're big, they're, they're mobile, they lean on you, they play a really structured, unselfish game. They've got really solid goaltending, an excellent coach. And um, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't lost yet, but I'm not surprised they're off to a good start. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it. With almost everybody back from last year, uh, there's really, you know, training camp becomes practices almost uh, from day one. Um, how about the top 10 scorers? I was looking at it. A lot of guys in their 20s. There's a couple of guys in their 30s sprinkled in there, but youth is obviously kind of uh, in the last 5, 10 years. I don't know, maybe even longer in your mind. Is this the best we've seen it skill-wise uh, in the NHL when it comes to young players coming in, not being afraid and just... You know, Hughes is 22, leading the league right now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and this has been going on a while, right? But the the younger players come into the league now, um, better equipped, uh, more confident, better trained, um, more ready to to play at this level. And if you're, you know, if you're at that level of player they don't need seasoning. Like they're, they're ready to go. You talk about Jack and I mean, Jack Hughes is a, an amazing player. He's so creative. He's so skilled. And it, you know, he's, he's going to get a hundred points this year. And as you say, he's 22 years old. Um, look at the very best players around the league. Like Kale McCarr is really young. Adam Fox is a, a little bit older, but he's really young. Quinn Hughes is young and just scratching, I think, where he's going to go. And the, those are just three defensemen. Go to the forwards and, I don't know, is 27 years old? Old? Certainly not. And <laughs> now you got Nate McKinnon and William Nylander that maybe are not the, you know, Nylander in particular, maybe not the first name that, you know, pops off your tongue. But, man, he he's been the best leaf by a long margin this year. There's the skill in the league is better than it's been. The game, the way it's opened up is, is more conducive to scoring and the game is in really good hands with these young guys. Yeah. And, and it is. And um, you know, McDavid getting back is also really good uh, for, for the game and having the best players on the ice uh, in national broadcasts is, is huge. And then, then you have uh, some veterans that are not going away and not giving this up just yet. Well, look, I remember as I got older, um, almost taking articles about younger players more on our team, but um, that I, I I think I would be defensive about or, um, you know, kind of you know, like it was a burr in my shoe. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, the older guys aren't done yet either. And like if you, I mean, if you think Sidney Crosby is going to fade into the good night, you're, you know, that's that's not happening. I mean, he's, so the last days in the league, he's going to be trying to be a difference maker. And 
you know, some of the, some of the guys that are able to produce into their thirties, one of the reasons they do that is because they have a fire to them and a pride and somewhat an ego that they're not going away. I mean, why is Joe Pavelski as successful as he is at 37 years old or 38 now? It's because he's got a pride, a work ethic, and an ego to score. He wants to score. He wants to be a difference maker. He doesn't want to be a guy just kind of hanging out. And I think that's probably one of the common threads when you look at the older players around the league. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as we're joined by Ray Ferraro is to talk about hockey, but also uh, you, you've had this terrific second post career that I think every player would love as mm-hmm. one of the best analysts. You know, I told my buddies you. you were coming on and they said, oh, he tells it like it is, which I think is one of the best compliments for an analyst to be able to just mm-hmm. not sugarcoat it, but without being, pardon my French, a jerk or a dick. You know, you can, you can say mm-hmm. things critically without being going over the line. So, I wanted to talk about, you know, the broadcast part and is joining a new broadcast team and a new broadcast company uh, like joining in a new NHL team and getting used to players and coaches and and new cities and things like that. Is it somewhat similar and does that help you? No, it's not similar because um, there's a great saying in in TV, uh, don't forget we're all out there alone. And, you know, like you're on the broadcast, but when I'm talking... My play-by-play partner can't help me. It's just me. And if I don't make sense and he makes sense, then people say, they don't say, oh, that broadcast doesn't make sense. They go, Ferraro doesn't make sense. So there's an individuality to it that when you get traded to a new team, like right away you're traveling with 20 guys or 22 guys. You're, You're in the hotel. You go for dinner. You go practice. You have the same... Everybody does the same job. And in broadcasting, it's, you know, we don't all do the same job. Play-by-play analyze, or play-by-play calls the game. I analyze our reporter reports and has stories. We're all doing different stuff. The producers have different ways they want to do the game. I have a different way I want to do the game. Well, this is the part of the team that is similar, is that we have to, get to the same page or the same place so that I can, I can expect what's coming from the producer and he can expect to a certain degree of regularity, what I'm talking about. And so that's the, honestly, that's the, that's, it's not the most difficult thing. It's the most obvious thing uh, for me. The only way you, you can talk about it as much as you want but you need to do it. You need to do games. We're in our third year now. And the producer I work with most of the time, he, you know, I, I go into my talk back. I'm not sure if everybody knows how it works, but you know, I, I have my headset on so I can hear the play by play, but also I have a button that is a direct talk back to the producer. So the play by play guys going on doing his thing. And I'm talking to the producer about, the next highlight or what, Hey, I want that one in the queue. And he'll say, Oh yeah, coming up on the uh, next whistle, we've got this. And at the same time, the game's still going on. So there has to be a cadence to it. Like I can't have my producer talking to me in my ear for 30 seconds because I need to listen to the play by play guy. So he's got to be able, and I've got to be able 
to communicate like in very few words. And as you know me, that's not a strength. <laughs> few words is not a, not a strength. So we, we're, you know, we always are, we laugh at ourselves sometimes because we're like, ooh, that one wasn't as smooth as it probably should have been. But three years in, it's now really predictable. And reps, exactly what you said, uh, yeah. you know, the people say you need a certain amount of reps to get perfect. You just need to continually work together and gel as, as a broadcast team. And the first, I always find the first, uh, like any hockey team, the ho- the hockey gets better and the, the broadcasting gets better when you've been off uh, for a bit of a summer. And now sure. the, gr- yeah, yeah. Yeah. the grind isn't as much as the, the playoff grind, but traveling is a bit of a grind. Any kind of playoff horror stories when you're trying to get... From city to city, and um, that 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 is the the time where you get to the end yeah. of the line, and you're like, "All right, now I can rest." Well, uh, one year at TSN, Gord Miller and I uh, did 13 games in 13 days, and by the end of it, like your brain is mush. You know, you're confusing number 17 from that game with number 17 from another team, and you know, like it's really hard. But the 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 one game, this is where it was like, okay, we need a break, was um, we were in St. Louis, night game. We, they chartered a plane for us, and we flew from St. Louis to Philadelphia. The next game was a national game Sunday at noon. Wow. So I think we got to Philly at like 6 in the morning. And we went to the hotel to sleep for a few hours. The people that you never see on TV, the people that really make it go, the technicians, the camera people, those that do the wiring for all the cameras, and they they literally dropped their bags off, went into their room, showered, and went to the rink. And when we got there at 10.30, they were still wiring stuff. Like how they got it done, I got no idea. I got four hours of sleep, right? But they, they didn't, they had to, they had to get going as far as horror stories. I mean, there's always like, you almost miss mm-hmm. you're late. You, you know, travel is backed up on you somewhere. I'm uh, unfortunately have developed a little bit of a reputation of not knowing when the game time is. And, uh, you know, so I think the game's at seven, turns out it's at six. I get a call at like 4.30, where are you? Oh, man, I'm on the way, but I'm in the gym, you know, thinking I got another two hours. And so this, yeah, this would be one of my grand weaknesses. Oh, that's good. Um, you, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Do you think the Whalers could ever return to Hartford? Uh, I do, and no, I don't. Um the the economics of the game have changed since that time and i just i don't see um or i don't understand that there would be enough of a a corporate base there to support the team and it's a shame because the people that supported us were awesome Mm -hmm. like we we had great support in hartford they moved it to raleigh and now all these years later they've done a really great job in raleigh with the caniacs and the their buildings full and energetic and lively and they're expanding and doing some other things that I think will make it even more engaging as the next year or two rolls out. But as far as back to Hartford, I just, unfortunately, I don't think it would work. 
You can keep the dream alive because I thought the same thing about Winnipeg and they did get it back there. Different time mm-hmm. and, and stuff, but uh, I guess we can always dream. Um, you mentioned Gord Miller and your time at TSN. Darren Drager, legendary prankster. Obviously, you have the, the uh, yeah. Ray and Dregs podcast. What's the best prank you have played on Dregs? Okay, so I'll be honest with you. Dregs is an almost like a no-fly zone oh. because he has no filter on the return. <laughs> Like, like you just, I, I would, I would worry about really pranking him. Now, a garbage can full of water up against this hotel door or, you know, things like that, that's fine. But I, I think I would be careful with drags. I, I don't, I haven't really, haven't really gone there. I, I like it. I mean, I like this. I like the prank stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think most people steer clear of him because they fear his reprisals. See, now I'm kind of wondering if a leaner is, is like, like the leaner is about as far as I would go, like, you know, the garbage can full of ice or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I would go that much farther. Now I'm wondering, like, how devious do these pranks actually get? Because that's my, maybe as far as I would go. You get a little water on the floor and you have a laugh. Oh, no, you could... Depends on your, depends on your effort level. Like if you really want to put an effort in, yeah, you know, like you, you can, you can get to work, but I don't, uh, when I was playing, maybe there was more of those, um, mm-hmm. you know, happened to me and, you know, stuff that you'd be involved with your, you know, if somebody was, I don't know, silly enough to leave their car keys around, you could, yeah have their car moved six blocks away, um, you know, like stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, not, not now. I'm not, I, no, I'm not gonna, well, maybe once in a while, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into it with drags. Yeah, exactly. Probably good, uh, good reason. Uh, okay. Uh, I cannot have you on without asking you about uh, a legendary season in the town. I grew up in Brandon, 108 goals, also 84 assists. I mean, that season is like there should be a sign when you go into Brandon, home of the 108 goal season. Like, what do you remember? What well, first of all, you got traded, and you're a Western guy, so you're probably thinking Brandon, and then you go in and you have a, a C note plus season for goals. Yeah, I uh, I got traded in August, and uh, me and four other guys for a player named Blaine Crest, who was a 15 year old, um, really clearly highly touted player. And he was going out to Portland. Now I didn't want to go. Uh, Brandon was too far. Um, and at some point, my dad said, "You know, look, you should probably give this a try." They, you know, they did trade for you. I think he was ignoring that there were four other guys on the <laughs> trade on our side. You know, but anyway, he said, "You just give it a try, see how it goes." So I got there the day before the season, practiced once, and. Um, um, the next day we played in Winnipeg and I got a hat trick. And then the second day, you know, we played a home and home and I got a hat trick the second game. And it, it I mean, the goals just kept, kept coming. Right. And um, I played with two guys, Stacy Pratt and Dave Curry, who were terrific junior players, both of them exceptional passers. Uh, we really fit well together. Our power play was off the charts. Uh, uh, Cam Plant was our, was our quarterback on it. And I think Cam had like 118 assists that year. 
Yeah. And uh, I had, I know I had 43 power play goals and um, I was actually just talking to Connor Bedard a week ago about it. He had 71 goals in 57 games as a 17 year old. And so he said him and his buddies were looking it up and they're like, geez, you know, I got all these goals. I must be getting close. And they had no idea that the record was what it was. And I said, yeah, but if you played at 19 and you played 72 games, you'd get 108 goals. But I, um, I just don't, I don't know if somebody breaks it, you know, good on them, but I just, I can't imagine somebody's going to average a goal and a half a game. I mean, I was looking through, I found some scrapbooks that my mom kept just so awesome. She kept all this stuff and all the games were like eight, six, nine, five. I was like, there was, there was a lot of goals back then. And so for me that year, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Uh, let, let's end with this. Um, the, the hockey landscape is, is changing. Uh, uh, you've mm-hmm. had uh, kids go through it. Now we see what the BCHL is doing. There's independent uh, youth hockey leagues. What do you think of just the changing landscape of hockey and the choices that are out there for families and, and discussions that need to be had, just like when they wanted to choose between junior or NCAA or whatever it might be? Yeah, there's a... Um... There's a real set of discussions that need to happen um, so that people can get the information they need and not just to say, oh, it's on a website. Like people need to understand when they make a choice, how that choice impacts them. Um, the, you know, the BCHL pulling itself into an independent league is a big deal. They have their own set of rules. They've got their own insurance. They've got their own officials. Um, players can't go from a Hockey Canada League to the BC Junior League. Like it's a, in some ways, Dean, it's a mess. It, it really is. I think in short order, it will straighten itself out in that people will understand what the differences are. Um, you know, my son Landon is doing um uh, he's just retired. He played the last four years in Germany and he's doing some coaching out in Langley. And I was asking him about, well, what about this player? And he's like, no, we can't have him. He's not, you know, and he was going through the affiliations and how you can bring players into a independent league that you can't, that you would have been able to use a different way a year ago. And it was quite frankly, quite confounding to me. And so I, I really hope that like everything, education's the answer. The more educated the parents are, the players are, the teams are, then people can find what the right path is for themselves. Because it's it's not the right path for everybody. Each league has their own strengths and minuses, and each player and parent has to figure out what's the best for me. Because what's best for me might not be best for you. And and it's it's hard to decipher things when it's new. Yeah, it, well said. And communication and discussion and education is the best thing, whether you're talking about sports, life, but especially when you're making very important decisions. And you shouldn't make decisions without knowing what the potential impact could be, whatever, whether you're uh, on a Hockey Canada uh, league or an independent league. Well, right. Uh, the, the toughest part about that, though, Dean, is sometimes you can think a parent and a 
player might think that they're making the right decision mm-hmm. and they've made it. And then they realize some months down the road, Oh, wait a minute. That might not be the right thing. I'll, I'll get, I'll give you a personal example. Our son is 16. Mm-hmm. He's uh, in the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy. He's quite a good soccer player. I get, I guess people are telling me, what, what do I know? <laughs> um, right. Like I don't know soccer. Right. And so now we're trying to put together what are, what are the possibilities of a player his age in the next two to three to four years as he finishes grade 11, gets to grade 12, then what? And so this is what it must feel for a hockey parent that doesn't quite understand the landscape the same way Cammie and I are trying to understand the soccer landscape. And it's confusing and you're nervous because you really want to do the best for your child, but then you got to try and find the right info and how do you find it and how do you make it applicable to your son or daughter? It's, it's really, uh, is really hard at some point, but again, like the, it's easy to say, yeah, it's just up on the website, but that's not good enough. Right. Like not, you can't always understand the website or the nuance of what's written on the website. There needs to be an understanding that only time I think gives you time straightens out a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. And it's communication, right? It's, it's about, you know, where do you find, how do you find that information? Is this the right information? And, uh, you're right. It's going to take some time to sort it out, but, uh, we need to sort it out because in, in the end, it's not you or I or, or Cammy that gets punished. It's the, the kid who can't play in a certain situation because of the rules that maybe people didn't know about. So, does t- it will take some time. Uh, Ray, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. And people obviously can uh, watch you on ESPN ABC and uh, with the Canucks broadcast as well and the Ray and Driggs uh, podcast. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on Game Changers. Uh, you bet, Dean. Thanks. It's, um, it's kind of cool to get back into the season. I'm in Toronto for the Kings tonight, and this will be good. And then I'm in Boston on Thursday for, for the Leafs. So uh, be a good week of hockey. What a terrific conversation uh, with Ray Ferraro. And uh, he tells it like it is. He has a great opinion, but he doesn't come across in a terrible way, much like Craig Button. That's why those two guys are so popular, because they speak their mind in a respectful way. And that's why people say Ray tells it like it is. Uh, Excellent. And his son Landon with a Langley Riverman in the BCHL. No JPHL games this weekend. Back the November long weekend, the Remembrance Day long weekend. But until then, we can give you a look back at some of the best from this past weekend in the JPHL. And here's Liam Pugh in a chance. Pugh coming down the right side with some speed. Pugh walking in. Toe Drake shooting, and he scores! Liam Pugh, what a goal! As he buries that one on a nifty little Toe Drake. Over the blue line, Austin Blackmore in front. Oh, what a save by Hernandez. As Shane was in tight all alone. Rebound in tight right across. What a save by Shivi. Highway robbery again. He got the blocker on that one. It was destined for the back of the net. I love the goaltender playing catch here in this stoppage of play. Colton Bush, Carter Wade, just 
throwing it back and forth, killing some time. Buffy's drop, Critchley wins that one back. Quick shot and they score. And that's a big goal for the Titans. Now Liam Pugh sent in on a breakaway. Dying second, Pugh scores! Liam Pugh makes his mark and it's 2-1. Langley on the board. Now it's Pugh breaking in front. Pugh in the slot. Pugh shot on Ned Wade. Makes a great save. Carter Wade coming up large. As H.C. Edmonton pushing. Now it's Liam Pugh down the right side. Pugh coming in. Wade makes another stop. And the rebound. It's a two-on-one. Janguano in time. He scores. The game changer. Mr. Clutch. Sam Janguano has tied it up. Every time Sam Janguano steps on the ice, they've either got the puck in the Ozone or they're doing something dangerous. We gotta do play-by-play -play of this game of ping pong. So Wade fires it down the ice. Now Colton Bush is gonna come out to play it. Bush corrals it. Now he's gonna maybe flip it. Are we gonna see a Michigan here from a goalie? Oh no, he just fires it back down on Wade. It's like the old game of Pong that you play doot, doot. Now Wade. And what's Wade going to do? Oh, he's, he's going to try and flip it up. No, oh, he's just going to fire it back down, and we'll see what uh, Bush can do here. Now Bush, oh, he's flipping it up. Lacrosse, that's impressive. That is impressive stuff from Colton Bush with the stick handling. Fraser tries to move that one through for Bartell. Coming down the right side is Liam Pugh. Just scored a highlight real goal. Pugh shooting, and he scores again. What a goal by Liam Pugh as he does it for a second time. Beats him wide and... Wow. Oh, nice little toe drag move. He's got room, Irvin sends it across. They score. Mark that for the highlight reel. That's a beauty. Four nothing. What a feed by Irvin. Right up under the bar by Gauthier. Cousin. With it again towards the front of the net, and very stoned by Edge in tight on a deadly shooter. We'll see what uh, Bush can do here. Now Bush, oh, he's flipping it up. Lacrosse, that's impressive. That is impressive stuff. We're going to give the victory to Colton Bush in goalie pong. It's recovered by Sekundiak. Sekundiak, nice little toe drag, walking in, shooting, can't finish it. Bizzo winding, what a save! As there's a big stop by Kutre. I think it went off his shoulder. But that's a nice little stop. Silent Ice TV is home to the JPHL, the HSL, and special events like the Winter Championship, the Challenge Cup, and more. You can watch live games at silenticetv.com. The Morinville Jets will play at the Morinville Ice Gardens this Sunday, 415 mountain time you can catch live games plus game changers past episodes and more all of it at silenticetv.com terrific content produced by for vengeance media that is it for this week huge thank you to ray ferraro espn abc and sportsnet analyst 
108 goal season with the Brandon Wheat Kings and of course 1200 plus games in the NHL and Brandon Ewan Cheshire the president of Four Vengeance Media on changing the game when it comes to youth sports and improving the coverage so we don't have to watch video that looks like it was shot from a boat that is it for this week thanks so much for joining me until I see you in the rink it's always a good idea to double pad stack see you next week